as he gives us the word of God today. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we were talking about food, glorious food. Remember? A lot of people asked me for the notes that I had that Sunday. These are some of them. There's quite a few sheets. There's about 15 sheets. Some of this stuff is really interesting. It goes through foods that are mentioned in the Bible and tells you what it says about them. The GM foods, etc. are also here. And also some really interesting advice on a rainbow diet. So there's 15 sets there. If you need more, I can make more. But that's for those who asked for it. I want to continue, at least for this week, on kind of the same, the same theme, the same kind of thought. Michael's proposal to you, uh, and my proposal to you, is that, sorry, you're eating too much. <laughs> we don't eat enough of what's good, and we eat too much of what's not good. Now, it is my honest opinion that this affects us in a multitude of ways that we maybe don't even realize. can affect your personality. The hormones in the beef can make you aggressive. And I mean, I think, actually, Michael, your personality is very balanced. You should have said at least, amen. His personality is very calm, isn't it? He's very, very conciliatory, very calm, very patient. Hey, gosh. Very good. And I think sometimes if I, if I stuff myself with red meat and the hormones that go with it, it can actually start to change me. However, the good news is today I'm not going to talk about food. Now you're going to say hallelujah. <laughs> but I do want to talk about this, the same kind of concept. Are there other things that I'm over-consuming, particularly possessions? And taking a, a, you know, a biblical look at the possessions in my life. Most of you here know my story. I've <coughs> I, at one point in my life, had many possessions. And then I thank God. Did you hear me? Mm. I thank God. I lost nearly everything. Uh, and uh, it's, as I look back, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me, to be honest. It, it, it just made me wake up and think about everything all over again, reassess my life. I will never be the same again. I'm not going back there again. Not going back to that again. That was so... Do you know every day you see on average... 5,000 advertisements on the tube, on TV, on your Facebook. 5,000 adverts. Listen, guys, without you even knowing it, you are affected from a very early age. You're seeing what you want to be. And I question, am I more affected by the world or by the word in my consumption? Not food, but material things. 70% of people in America can't afford to get past their next payday. They're waiting for payday. They live payday to payday. And the reason they're doing that is because they're paying the debts for the possessions that they bought to impress people who don't even like them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Paying for stuff, maybe because of anxiety, you get stressed and people spend money when they get stressed. Called retail therapy. It works. Look at the city, it's packed. 
And I want to look at possessions. Jesus, help us. I've been studying minimalism. Being a minimalist, I am by, not by choice, but by force almost in my life. I, I, I've stripped my life down to the bare essentials. You would be shocked if you knew the number of my possessions. You would be shocked. Shocked. I could get every, I got everything in the boot of my car once. Yeah, and it wasn't a big car. I was coming down from Glasgow. I have a desk in a storeroom in Glasgow, just a square desk like this, because I've got some stuff in there. I can't even remember what's in it. But when I was getting rid of all my stuff, at that time, obviously, it was stuff I thought I needed. I was wrong. I can't even remember what's in it. Ten weeks ago, I preached in Glasgow to the church I pastored for 12 years, and it was an interesting day, Tim, because they had been with my wife, Jeanette, my first wife, and they'd witnessed everything. So very interesting for me to see their faces when I stood up to preach. And I could almost hear the thought, oh, I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. Pastor Mike here. Oh, I thought he was dead. No, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm alive. Hallelujah. Not dead. Who told you I was dead? <laughs> Yeah, and quite, quite light on my feet, actually. I, I think it may be a little lighter than you. Little lighter than you. Maybe a little lighter than you remember me. And as I looked out on the congregation, I said, this man's got my telly, because I gave everything away. These people are sleeping in my bed. I gave them my bed. This couple here, they've got my beautiful leather suite. These people got my cupboards. These have got all my kitchen stuff. These guys took my paintings. I had two or three open days in my house. Come and take anything you want. They weren't shy. <laughs> Do you need that shirt? You know, they weren't shy. They just plowed into my house. No grace. Yeah. And off they went. Funny old thing time. You come back to see the same people. I could look out at their faces. And I could see, you know, they were heavier than me. True. I could sense it in them. They were looking and they were thinking, thanks for the three-piece suite. We got it in the house. Already had two others, but never mind. We managed to squeeze it in the spare room. Interesting. Really interesting for me. I would never go. Do you know the average family home? has over 300,000 individual items. 300,000 bits and pieces and bits and bobs. Do we need all that? And what effect, in, 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 in light of Jesus Christ, what effect does that have on us? Whether you're aware of it or not, today you are living a life of greater style and greater quality than a king. You know that? Every one of you. You're, you're living a higher standard than a king. Glasgow has a huge transport museum. And it was not far from my home. And one day I walked into the transport museum and there was a big railway carriage, a coach from a railway carriage. And it said on it, King George V's railway carriage. Back in those days they didn't have planes, right? So this was his traveling machine. And I went over and I looked into the carriage of a king. I tell you what, <laughs> you wouldn't even sit down in it. 
And this was a king. It was so basic. The chairs were so basic. The table was so basic. It was so rudimentary. And I, it really impacted me because I thought, hey, do you know what? My home is better than this. I actually live better than a king, and I don't even know it. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, who God put upon him so many possessions. And Solomon said this, The wealthy man lies down at night and he can't sleep. Because in his mind, he's concerned for everything he owns. He's worried about his possessions. Worried about what he has. What am I going to do tomorrow? Oh God, help us to follow your advice. The average American home is triple the size it was 50 years ago. Three times bigger. Well, where are you going to put your stuff? Need somewhere to put the stuff. So I need a bigger house and then a bigger house. And even though income and consumption are going up, up, up and away, meaning and fulfillment are lower than ever on this planet, friend. I am a convert to minimalism, living a simplistic life and not accumulating endlessly needless possessions. Take a look at this list here. These are all converts to a simplistic life. Einstein was famous because he only had about two suits and he used to interchange his suits and any picture you see of him, he believed in simplicity. When he woke up, he didn't want to waste his energy on what am I going to wear today? Mark Zuckerberg, have you seen the movie? Famous because he wears the same thing, billionaire, he wears the same thing every single day. I think it was 35 t-shirts, they're all the same color. You know, he's got the whole wardrobe, so he's got no colors in his wardrobe. Otherwise, he's wasting energy and time. Richard Branson simplified his wardrobe. He now has one pair of jeans and he keeps one pair just to simplify his choices on a daily basis. Simon Cowell. Yeah, he changed everything a few years back. He decided the same thing. He decided he's wasting time. So Simon Cowell, you just think, close your eyes and think of Simon Cowell. It's a white t-shirt and blue jeans. Correct. Every time. Or it's a black jacket, white shirt and blue jeans. It's the same thing. He simplified his wardrobe. Barack Obama gave an interview to a magazine called Vanity Fair. And the interviewer said to him, would you mind explaining to him? Because some people in the media have commented about your clothes, Mr. President. You've got two suits that you wear in the White House when you come out for the... Two suits, Mr. President. Couldn't we have a little bit more variety? And Obama said, you know what? No. No. I decided to simplify my wardrobe that I didn't need 20 suits. I, didn't, I just don't need it because it's a waste of my energy. I mean, Giorgio Armani, fashion designer, famously, every time he appears in public, blue sweatshirt, blue jogging pants. Michael Kors, another fashion designer, gave up. I've had enough of all this money, energy, time, and consumption. Kors the same, and probably the most famous... Steve Jobs. Same clothes every day. So each of these people came to a conclusion in their life that overconsumption or overly owning too, many, too much stuff was clogging up their existence. <coughs> Can you think of one other name that's not on the list? 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Jesus Christ. One seamless garment. One seamless garment. And, you know, it's certainly not intentional, I believe, with these guys. But they're coming to the same conclusion. Look at the, at the, the poem or prose that you have on your sheet there. This is quite famous. You've probably heard it before. But that's my title, Jesus the First Minimalist. This is an anonymous piece of text, but it's attributed to someone. This is talking about Jesus Christ. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually accompanying greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was then nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the knaves that ever sailed, and all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as this one solitary life. Amen. Absolutely shocking and very true. I want to make three simple points along the same theme of food. So, for example, for you, Michael, I continue with your food. I believe it's affecting your very disposition for good. But expand that same commitment to simplicity into other areas of your life as Jesus did and even though these men, I, I, I believe they probably never thought of Jesus. But they're smart guys. Oh yeah. So their smarts brought them to the same conclusion that he had advised them but they had ignored. How often is that true in the world? So I believe in simplicity. With all my heart I believe in it. It will give you a lightness in your step. A joy in your heart that things just cannot give. Point one today, I believe that we're in an age, particularly this age with so much possessions available to us, of storage wars. But the problem for me, talking personally, <coughs> I don't know about you, I'm not great at multitasking. I'm good if you give me an individual task, okay? I'm not great at multitasking. And my mind, Pat is not here, she's on holiday, but Pat will tell you, I forget some really important things. 
really, really important. And I thank God for Pat because she's never judged me on that. You know, some really important meeting and I'm not there. And she calls me and says, You're supposed oh, sorry. I forgot. And do you know what that is? That's a storage war. Because my mind, when I get in the zone, are you with me? When I get in the God zone, I don't care what the meeting is. Something just switches off and I don't remember. I'm focused because God's got a hold of me. Oh yeah. And I don't remember. You know, it's amazing. It's a good thing. And when God gets you, I can walk for times and the world hasn't got my mind. God's got a hold of my mind. It's a wonderful thing. Who's got your mind? Who's got your mind? Have the possessions and the pursuits of this world got your mind? Jesus you know, warns about it. See the storage wars. I've only got so much RAM in my head, right? I've only got so much you know, focus that I, I can give. That's why fasting exists, because you can't do both, right? There's a war for my attention, for my heart, for my desire, for my mission. There's an all-out war. And this world fights a pretty good front, don't you think? That's where the storage units came from, by the way. When we were growing up, right, you used to have a little shed at the bottom of the garden. And maybe you had a suitcase under the bed. And that was your storage. And then it moved into the garage, so now you get nowhere to put the car because all the stuff is in the garage. And then it changed into a lockup. I remember when that term was first heard. No one ever heard of a lockup. What's a lockup? Suddenly we had lockups, and now what have we got all over the world? I travel everywhere. Massive storage warehouses outside every city. True? Every time you fly in, you'll see storage here, storage this. Because people cannot get rid of their stuff. There's four or five guys around the world who specialize in this subject. One of them is a guy called Josh Milborn. He was a very successful American banker. And he had risen up the tree. He'd gone very, very fast, very well. He was still a young man. And he got the phone call that every entrepreneur or business guy longs for. It was a phone call from the CEO. And he knew what this meant. He's just about to get the offer of a dream job. You know, massive salary in the banking system. And he tells his story. He walked into the room and he can predict the conversation. We've been watching your work. We like what you do. And this guy's 30 years ahead of him. We've been watching what you do. We like what you do. And we're going to offer you the CEO of blah, 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 whatever it is. And that guy sat there and he looked at the person 30 years ahead of him on the road. And he said in his heart, you can see his testimony on TED Talks. He said in his heart, you know what? I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to become you. And a fear gripped him that the, the company is going to get him. The company is going to own me. And he fled that place, resigned. And his, his life story is amazing. Now he travels. He's written two books on, on, on decreasing your possessions, on not trying to be, climb the career ladder just to find out that you're going to die when you get to the top. And that was your life. Congratulations, I hope you made the good choice. I think he's made an excellent choice. And by the way, I'm not against prosperity. May God bless you with prosperity. 
Jesus is not against prosperity, but what we're against is distractions and things that weigh you down. There was a guy, eyes forward please, stay with me, it's really important. I want you to prophetically receive this. There was a man who was very successful. Are you successful? You are. Man who was very successful. And he began to buy stuff, right? This was in Jesus' time. And he bought more stuff and more stuff. And he, Jesus said, and he put it in a barn. But then he ended up with so much stuff, the barn was full. So the man got on the phone and he bought a storage unit. I'm going to buy a bigger storage unit to put my stuff in it. And Jesus said, how foolish is this man? Does he not know that this very night his life will be demanded from him? Remember that story? Remember the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler saw the lightness in the step of the 12 apostles. He was watching from a distance and thought, I want to follow Jesus like this. And so he bypasses those apostles, goes straight to Jesus and say, okay, I want that in my life. And Jesus says, very simple. Go and sell your possessions. Are you telling me the possessions, the stuff? You're telling me the stuff is the problem? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that it's hard for a man with a lot of stuff to enter the kingdom of this God. True or false? It is hard for someone who has a lot of stuff to blow with the wind as the Spirit would have it. It's hard. Not against stuff. But I need to own the stuff. The stuff doesn't own me. And the more stuff you own, the more likely it is it's going to own you. Eat more of what's good and less of what's bad. Hang on to anything good. No problem. And get rid of anything bad. So number one, storage wars. I believe there's a limit to the amount of output I can give and I need to be careful how I expend my energies, my time, and my space in this world. The second thing is personal. My personal testimony. You'll, you'll have yours. Let me give you mine and then you can apply it to yours. I'm 54. Hallelujah. <laughs> And when I was growing up in the education system, do you remember the 11 plus? No? Remember the 11 plus? We had it in Ireland. So when you were 11, in order to choose your schooling direction, you could go to like grammar school or comprehensive school, good schools, bad schools. You had to pass the 11 plus. So I'm the youngest of nine kids. So I've heard my other brothers and sisters being lectured. You've got to pass 11 plus. You've got to pass 11 plus. You know, John, you've got to pass 11 plus. Martin, you've got to pass 11 plus. So my turn came. I've got to pass 11 plus. I'm going to start a new trend in the house. Yeah. You see this? Oh, Jesus, thank God for being the last child. I tell you what. Thank God almighty. Oh, yeah. It's a lot different from being the first one. A lot different. See a lot of mistakes. See a lot of mistakes. Oh yeah, I remember the day my sister, who I loved, first day she came back to the home from her three years at university. And I thought, my God, is that what it did to you? Look at you. You've been destroyed. Ruined. All that was good that the parents put in you. What did you do? Three years. And you've lost everything. True? True. So many lose their way in college. 
And I watched my family before me, brothers and sisters. My parents, God bless them. But listen to what I was told. Michael, Michael, you've got to pass the 11 plus. Okay, mum, okay. Is that it? No, 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 no. Once you pass 11 plus, then all you've got to do is get your GCSEs. Hallelujah. Is that it? No, 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 no. After you get that, then all you've got to do is get a degree. Okay, praise the Lord. Is that it? No, no, no. You need a job. Okay, praise God. I get the 11 plus. Get the GCSEs. Get my degree. And then I get a job. Is that it? No, no, we want you to do well. You're going to have to get a promotion. Okay, no problem. I'm 11, by the way. So, I get the 11 plus. I get the GCSE. I get my degree. I get my job. I get my promotion. And that's me finished? No. Got to get married. Get your spouse. Okay, no pressure. No, no, no pressure. Okay, and is that me finished? No. Then you've got to buy a house. Everybody's got a house. If you don't buy a house, you're a failure. And then what have I got to do? Then you've got to buy a car. And then, get ready for it, the flat screen TV. Hallelujah! And that's the, this is the dividing line. Once you've got the flat screen, you know you've made it. No, sorry. You need the second car. And then, have you got kids yet? Have you had your kids? Then you've got to have a child. And then you've got to choose the right schools. And then where do we go? Back to the beginning. You've got to get your 11 plus. And on you go. So I watched my brothers and sisters go down this road. And I tell you what, it just crossed my mind. Who's giving the template? Who's providing the template? My mother got this from her mother. Her mother got it from her mother. Any Bibles here? Who's given the template? Who is providing you with that? Who is it? Eyes forward. Who gave you your template? Who gave it to you? Where did you get that from? And it's a very wise thing for you to do. I tell you what, friends, listen to me. Stay with me. The people who change this world, they, they create their own template. Reinhard Bonke. Brothers are doctors, sisters are doctors, mother was a doctor, his father's a doctor. And when Bonky was growing up in his early teens, you're going to be a doctor. But God spoke to him. He says, you're going to be an evangelist. And Bonky, you read his autobiography. The arguments in the home. Argument after argument. You're going to be a doctor. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And Bonky got a template from on high and has changed the world, man. One of the most effective evangelists of the entire history of mankind. That guy. Because you know the story. Bridge End Bible College in Wales. Refusing the template. Thousands of churches looking for pastors. Nothing changes. Sam had an email this week about empty... So many churches looking for pastors, Tim. Hundreds and hundreds of churches. Big churches, small churches. Does anybody have any pastors? Are there any men available? No. Nobody's available. They're all working to make money to pay for the debts, for the possessions. That's where they all are. Nothing changes under the sun, man. Nothing changes. Nobody's available. Bonky did. Jackie Pullinger did it. You know Jackie Pullinger? Chasing the dragon. Young academic here in the UK. Decides to not to go with the template. <coughs> Decides... 
God still speaks. God speak to me. And God told her to get a round-the-world cruise. Round-the-world cruise. So she gets all her money together. She buys a round-the-world cruise. And she gets to Hong Kong. And God said, get off in Hong Kong. Get off. This is your... Oh, she got off. It's so dangerous. Called Chasing the Dragon. He led her into a heroin pits in central Hong Kong. Not a very nice place. I've been there. It's pretty tough. And here's this posh English accent girl, young Christian, naive, but she began to change. Oh, yeah. There are many, many people like that. Whoever gives you, that's your decision. Have a nice life. It'll be over quick, so enjoy it. Not very long. I've got nine brothers and sisters. And my father was 95 when he died. And my mother was 89. And both of them took a hold of me. Give me a hand, Brian. Both of them took a hold of me. And both of them, before they died, said the same thing. Michael, you did more in God than anybody here in this family. You did more in God. How did that happen? We never saw that in you. Get your 11 plus, mom. Get the GCS. You know, who gave you the template, mom? Who gave it to you? Who are you serving? Who's got your mind? Who's got your desire? Who's got your focus? Hello? The door is still open. Still available. You can still get off the bus, and, and, and like Bonky did in Bridget, or in, in London here, actually. Get off the bus and be led by the Lord. So it is with anyone who's led by the Spirit. The wind blows them here and blows them there. Not so much tied into the expectations of people. There's nothing disrespectful here, let me add that. But the same people who follow Jesus, these 12 apostles, did they take their possessions with them? No. All 12 walk away from their careers, their paths, and follow Christ. Do you think they regret that? For all eternity, they don't regret it. So there's accepted templates. And I ask you to think about your template and who gave it to you and why do you pursue it till the end of your days? And lastly, are there any alternatives? (coughs) There are absolutely alternatives. Look at this list I've given you. When it comes to my possessions, do I need all the stuff I've got? I thank God for Mary's. She'll be here soon, I pray. We're working on the visa. Thank you, Brian. She's still in Colombia. But when I first went there in October last year, I met her leaders, her pastors, Gustavo and Lorena. And they picked me up, and her, she was with them at the airport. And they took me to her apartment. And I'd never seen her apartment, only on webcam. This was my first time. And I'd explained to her, I don't have anything, Mary. I haven't got any possessions. I'm not going to be pursuing cars and t- I'm not going to do that. I haven't even got a TV. haven't had for years. I'm not going there. That's not me. And she said, that's me as well. That's me as well. I haven't got nothing. I don't want anything. I don't need that. That's not who I am. But you never know until you're there in person, do you? <laughs> and when I got in her apartment, it's a shock for me, you know. There's the table and chairs. That's it. Nothing. No paint, nothing. 
So it's a two-bedroom apartment. We're sitting down there. And the only thing she has is clothes. She's a woman. The only thing she has is clothes. And she, had, she didn't have a filing system. She has a piling system. Pile here, pile there, and a pile. <laughs> a piling system for clothes. But you know what? Listen carefully, guys. If you're a woman and you love clothes, not a problem. Maybe you love books or something. No problem. You don't have to give all your books away. Don't, don't get the wrong idea of this. That's not what it's about. It's not a joy thief, anything but. Not a joy thief. It's just the excess. So maybe you as a woman, you want to have, I don't know, 20 pairs of shoes or something. No problem. So God's not a joy thief in that sense. But don't let things crowd you. Here's a piece of advice. See when it comes to the possessions I've got. If you're going to buy a new pair of shoes, give a pair away. If you're going to buy a new TV, give the old TV away. Don't become a hoarder. Don't go down the storage line. Become that channel. Amen? And get that mindset and try and... It's my, my advice. It's my lifestyle. Keep the possessions to the minimum. The more stuff I own, the more stuff owns me. That banker guy in America, when he became a minimalist, he did this. This is interesting because I've done the same. I think you've done the same, Jimmy. Both of our wives died, so we ended up with boxes like you and I. We talked about it one day. I had all my stuff in, in boxes, you see. What Josh Milburn did is this with a friend. They boxed everything he owned. It's many, many boxes. And the rule is this. You can only take out of the box something you need. Okay? So you need to brush your teeth? Go and get the toothbrush from the toiletries box. Fifteen days later, you can see the testimony on Ted. Fifteen days later, he realized that he was actually only needed 20% of all his possessions. Amen? That is, that is so true for me. I think, why am I... Why am I spending time, money, and energy and effort from this brief existence to house things that I don't even use? What is this about? Why do I need a three, four, or five bedroom house? Why do I need that guy? What is going on here? So look at your existing possessions. Secondly, reassess what you buy and why you buy it. So don't just buy, buy, buy. Anxiety can cause people to spend. I understand that. But be careful be willing to admire and not acquire. Admire and not acquire. You don't need to own everything. Amen? You don't need to own things. Be careful of ownership. I've bought houses for years. Bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold. And I have a different perspective to buying and selling than probably any of you, to be honest. Because ownership is not a hang-up for me. Listen carefully. I have a business that I own, properties I own. But where I live, I rent. Did you get that? <laughs> a lot of people like that. Why do I do that? Well, because if you need some degree of security, have it with what you own. No problem. But I choose not to live in that. I, I want to be flexible. So I lived down here for a little while, now I moved over here to a different place. That's nice, isn't it? Nice to be able to move around. But if you buy where I live, I'm stuck. And so, and anyway, I couldn't afford to buy the, you've been there, Tim. I couldn't afford that. It costs a fortune. But I can rent it, because rents are very reasonable in comparison to purchase prices. So I've changed my mind 
on acquisition. It no longer is a lure to me. Amen? Amen. So think about your decisions and what's forcing you or pushing you to do them. Do I need the possessions I have? Why do I buy what I buy? And in terms of eating, we've talked a lot about that for the last few weeks, but I I completely believe it. Be careful with what you eat and what you put in your body. Uh, We don't want to labor the fact, but when I finished my first week, I spoke on it. Michael came straight over to me and he said, you were far too easy on them. (laughs) He said, you should have been far harder because there's so much, but he's correct. And he told me the milk. He said, go and investigate milk. Well, I was shocked. I was totally, totally shocked. Have you seen the milk documentary? Ha! Oh, it's a crime. That's an absolute crime. No wonder people are vegans. I had no idea about the damage and the cancer that's coming through dairy products and the, the, the oncologists all over the world crying. Can someone please publicize the fact that dairy products are killing this planet, killing us with diseases? You're not supposed to eat that cow and drink that milk. So just a side point, but I need to reassess what I own, what I buy, what I eat, and lastly, my goals. I would put this first, to be honest, in my job. If you did my job for five minutes, you would realize that person after person you meet have massive potential. Listen to me, guys. Have you got potential? Oh, you better believe you've got potential. Eyes forward, stay with me in Jesus' name. Have you got potential? Yes. Who's got your potential? Your company? Who's got it? You've got it. You've got the ability, but who's taken it? Has Jesus got it? Or is the world, who's got you? Who's got your mind? Who's got it? You know what they say if you lose your keys? Go back to the place where you, <laughs> go back to the place where you last had them. And you go back to the place in your life where you know that God was with you. And maybe you need to do a bit of repenting because Jesus does not tolerate second place in your heart. Correct. My bottom line of the page is a very important statement. The goal of this teaching today or, or the goal of <coughs> minimalist lifestyle, the goal is neither deprivation or punishment but rather to simplify our often stressful lives and to make more room for God and for his plans. Amen. Amen. Final, 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 final point before the worship team come back. If you go on Google and you Google search minimalist, you're going to find Leo Babtua, who came out in 2006 and in the modern world, popularized this whole movement. He has six children, by the way. So there are many books on families becoming minimal. Many books written on how a family can become, lead a minimalistic lifestyle. This is a guy called Colin Wright. He was a joke a few years ago. Young lad, I really like him. I'm not alone. He's got gazillions of people following him. Colin Wright was a young man, and he decided he could get all of his stuff into two bags and 52 possessions. That's all he needed. And he, he started a blog and he became incredibly popular. He travels all over the world. Two bags, 52 possessions, that's all he needs. Josh Milborn is the banker and he's leading an adventurous life. Ryan Nicodemus, he calls it his second life. 
once he realized that he didn't have to pursue things to impress people. It's almost like being born again. Now, here's my point, guys, and I'm done. You Google minimalist, and these are the names. What name is missing? <laughs> That's the name. It doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. Instead, whether it's the first list of names, Einstein and all the others, they eventually come to the same conclusion. And these guys eventually come to the same conclusion. Simple is better. Where's Evelyn? She working delivering babies. <laughs> Evelyn's doing life coaching. I'm very good at it. But you know what I would say to Evelyn is this. In terms of life coaching, Jesus was the best life coach, correct? Amen. He taught people to have less, not more. That was the whole thrust of his single garment. That was the, that was the example, the coach. He was the coach. Leave your fishing business and come and follow me. He was the eternal life coach. Hallelujah. Jesus. You know, I was standing in Glasgow. I preached on the street for years, my years and years. Two, three times a week. And I'll never forget, one day I was standing in Glasgow, and we would go out on Thursdays and Saturdays, and the streets are packed. And I'm preaching. Nobody's listening. And I know the people are going to go on home and carry on their lives. And just in that little moment, I felt God just whisper to me, Distraction. They're all distracted. See? It's a battle for their vision, their energy, their time, their focus, their heart, their desire. It's a battle. They're all distracted with their lives. Sad that was for me. Sad. But I'll tell you something else. It's not a lot different in churches. Not a lot different. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Praise the Lord. And through the door. Like every other Sunday, is it? What day, which day is it that the call comes? Which day, Tim? Which day? Which day do, do I draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, from this day on, I will respect my parents, but I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. I, I wrote a book, third book I wrote, called My Father's Business. And that was based on the encounter I had with my mother, who I loved dearly. But she stopped. She just wouldn't talk to me for five years because of my behavior. I'd, got, I'd been a disappointment. And I got baptized. And you're off with this Pentecostal thing and I'll never forget her words to me she waited until we were alone just me and her and she turned to me and she said I will never tell anybody about you and what you have done 
to this family. And I turned to her and I said, Mommy, on this topic, on this topic, my loyalty will never be to you. On this topic, I will obey the Lord. And that's what I've done. And before we put that box in the ground, I repeat, she saw her error. She saw her error. And she, she was figuring it out and grabbing me. How did you do that? I just wanted them to do well. I'm a mother. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I wanted them to get their qualified. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted. I don't want them to go to the cross. I don't want that for my children. A cross? Are you kidding me? Father, I pray for everyone in this room and all of those around the world who hear these words that you would touch us and cause us not to be religious and set people free. Lord, I don't want these words to bring guilt, but I do want them to bring conviction. Conviction at a deep level. Conviction that you brought me you brought Bonky, you brought many people in history, the Apostle Paul. You brought conviction, and I pray you bring conviction on us. I believe in miracles. And in this room, would you raise up miracles? People of all ages, there's still time to rededicate that life to Christ. Pastor Ashish, can we sing Christ is enough for me? Christ is enough for me. And Lord, I want to, together with my brothers and sisters, repent of the lust of the flesh, of the endless need to acquire things. Would you set me free from needing to impress people by what I own, by what I wear, by my style, my qualification, my intellect. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us and break us down to the basic people we truly are. Make us immune to flattery, hollow, empty flattery, and replace it with your word of acceptance. Well done good and faithful servant and if it is a cross instead of a qualification if it's a cross instead of a slap on the back we accept it we accept it